Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. And we thank you so much for sharing our podcasts on uh, Facebook, Twitter, wherever else you share them, email. Um, If you have not subscribed to the Weekly Watchman, I encourage you to do that. Um, You get a weekly email, and you'll be able to get all the podcasts in one place. Go to StandUpForTheTruth.com. And right up, uh, I believe, the, over the top right, uh, on the right-hand side, it says Get the Weekly Watchman. And you can type in your first name, last name, email, and then click subscribe. That'll take you like 30 seconds. So you can hear from us, of us every Friday. We will not bombard your inbox with unsolicited emails and uh, whatever else you don't want. Just the Monday through Friday podcasts and blogs if we post a blog that week. So let's open up in prayer as we always do. Father in heaven, thank you. We love you. We thank you for saving us first and foremost for the fact that we can approach you, your throne of grace, and receive mercy and find grace to help when we need it. And some days we need it more than others. We thank you that you are a personal God who cares about the details of our lives. It's astounding. It's sometimes hard to believe, very hard to comprehend, but help us to trust in you with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. And we know that your ways are above our ways and your thoughts are above our thoughts. So help us walk with you step by step, one day at a time, and trust you in all things. Lead us in our daily interactions with people, starting with those closest to us in our immediate families our friends, uh, our workplace, our co-workers, Lord, especially those who, if we were to say what we think, uh, we would probably say some people have the hardest hearts and they would never be able to be reached by your mercy and love and the truth and a saving grace. But, Lord, we know that no one is too far from you. So we ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom and help us to water seeds that need to be watered And in some cases, plant a seed as someone that's never heard the gospel, the simplicity and the truth of Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and was raised from the dead, and he is the only God who is alive, the only true God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that we have such a faith that has been confirmed by eyewitnesses. It has been confirmed by historians, and it has been confirmed by hundreds, over 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled about the Messiah. Prophecies about the Messiah, that's something that, that uh, is astronomical. And we, so we thank you. We have so much, Lord. Um, so help us, help us uh, one day at a time to live for you in what is now these last days. Um, we lift up this hour to you. We pray uh, that you'd give us wisdom. Just lead by your Holy Spirit the importance of encouraging Christians to just come back to the truth and the Word of God wherever they're at in their walks and their maturity in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're blessed to have Shay Hoodman, the founder and CEO of GotQuestions.org. Um, if you haven't checked out this research, this resource online, please check out GotQuestions.org. Uh, it's a ministry that seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical, applicable, and timely answers to spiritually related questions through and internet presence and. Uh, we're just so blessed to have you. Shay, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Thanks for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Um, I was watching um, an interview you did. Actually, it wasn't an interview. It was um, you were sharing at a church. And first of all, please, for our listeners that maybe know of your website but don't know the man behind it, would you please share a little bit about your testimony and how uh, you grew up and how you came to be a watchman on the wall, so to speak? So it's an um, interesting story. I um, was raised with a um, mom who was a believer and um, dad who was not. Um, was kind of dragged to church when I was a little kid, but didn't really have any 
true interest in spiritual things. Um, then when I was a teenager, um, my uncle, who was a minister from Tennessee, came and visited us. And um, I found out later he came with the express purpose of evangelizing myself and my sister at the request of my mom. And I just remember I was pestering him with questions the entire time. I just kept asking him questions about the existence of God, um, weird stuff about the end times that I don't even know how I knew about, but um, he very patiently answered all of my questions, and because of that, I was um, willing to listen to what he had to say when he um, started sharing the gospel with me and um, placed my faith in Christ as Savior at that time. Um, I think I was about 16 years old. Um, through discipleship of a local youth pastor, I um, was convinced that God was calling me to full-time ministry of some sort, so I went to um, Calvary University in Kansas City, Missouri, graduated with a um, degree in biblical studies, and then went to Calvary Theological Seminary, received a master's in Christian theology, and the interesting thing about that is those are kind of two fairly generic degrees. They don't prepare you for anything specific, but just give you a lot of background in the Bible and theology. Well, now looking back, it was the perfect preparation for what I do. Mm. So graduated from seminary, um, didn't really feel a clear calling from God into any of the quote-unquote traditional forms of ministry. I'm a much better writer than I am a public speaker, but um, the Internet was just starting to be something that most people had in their homes and used. So um, a lot of ministries were starting to um, create websites. And so we were just praying, Lord, give us the ministry that would be the perfect fit. And um, launched gotquestions.org in February of 2002, just essentially thinking it was going to be a hobby, something that we do um, in addition to whatever other real ministry God calls us to. Well, God obviously had much bigger things in mind. And so the last 18 years has been the crazy ride of watching God take what we thought was going to be a hobby and expanding it, exploding it even into one of the most frequently visited Christian websites in the world. So it's a privilege to serve the Lord in this way. Mm. I'd like to tell people if I would write my dream ministry job description, it'd be doing exactly what we're doing. It's amazing to see the impact that God has created through the ministry and, um, it's a, again a privilege to be a part of it. Wow, you you shared so much there when you were saved as a teenager. Uh, what you mentioned is something that really doesn't happen enough today, and that is you were discipled. Um, you sought discipleship, or that was provided for you at the church you attended, and then of course you went to a theological seminary. Um, Shay, what have you noticed in doing this ministry for eighteen years, as far as Christians or professing Christians? coming to you, asking you things maybe that they should already know. Exactly. Um, And one of the interesting things about Guy Questions, as we've discovered, is um, the fact that it's all unanimous is very powerful. Uh, We get a statement fairly often that I've had this question for a really long time, but I'm embarrassed to ask my pastor, or they're embarrassing because it's a difficult topic, or what you hinted at, if they're embarrassed, they think this is something they should know already. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that we don't know them, they don't know us, all we get is an email address, um, really frees them up to ask the questions that are on their hearts. And so get that comment a lot, and we seek to provide a, like you said earlier, a biblical, theologically sound, easy-to-understand answer, because we don't know where the person's at. We don't know if they're a mature believer, a new believer, or a seeker, or a skeptic. So to seek to provide an answer that um, hopefully God will use to um, either draw the person to faith in Christ or draw that person closer to Christ if he or she already knows Christ. So yeah, the, there's a lot of people out there who are asking questions that really, as believers, they should know. Mm-hmm. But whether they've never been in a sound biblically teaching church or whether they're a new believer, or whether they just had never heard it explained in a way that makes sense to them. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fairly simple things. Like in Hebrews, the author talks about um, you should have moved beyond the elementary truths by now, but Amen. instead we have to keep filling you 
with milk instead of meat. So our goal is to get people to meet, but sometimes you got to give them milk until they're ready. Amen. And you referred to Hebrews, the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6, the elementary principles of God's Word and the elementary truth that we should have established as a foundation. So we're speaking to Shay Hoodman of GotQuestions.org, and that was a good reminder for so many believers who were not raised in a solid church, Christian church that teaches the whole counsel of God that really disciples well. So wherever you're at in your walk, it's never too late to ask questions and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Peter encourages us to do. Shay, there was a question that was asked early in your ministry that was possibly a catalyst to where you were headed ministry-wise in the direction. I would love for you to share the story about the first question you got, or one of the first questions you got about, are there pets in heaven? Yeah. So um, we wish every question we received were something that was deep and biblical <laughs> um, on a very important issue. Um, but similar to like my testimony where I talked about my uncle, how I was asking him all these side issues, stuff that really doesn't matter. But the way he answered those questions really made me willing to listen to what he had to say when we got to the really important issues. So I was fairly early on in the ministry, the first time we received the question, um, do pets go to heaven? So we um, replied, um, tried to give as biblical an answer as possible on an issue that the Bible really doesn't specifically address, but give a compassionate and yet biblical response. And the person wrote back and gave us a little more information about her. And it turned out um, an older lady who had a beloved cat who had lived something like 20 years and had just recently died. Um, this lady was devastated by this and had gone online and submitted her question to several different um, websites, and we were the only ones who bothered to respond. And as a result of that, she came back to the website and um, was searching around and started reading some of our articles that present the gospel. And um, she emailed us to let us know that she had um, placed her faith in Christ. So by answering a question that ultimately is ancillary, not super important, but by showing the person respect, by giving a good answer to that, um, she was willing to come back and have the ultimate question answered. So we strive to take every question very seriously, unless the questioner is making it plainly obvious that they're not really interested in the answer or they're um, being argumentative. But mm -hmm. even sometimes with those, um, we want people to know that we care and that we're willing to answer their questions in hopes that they will come back and eventually get some of the more important issues dealt with. That's I found that to be such an amazing story because, of as you said, it's not one of those deeper theological questions, but just one, you know, we hope some of our pets will be in heaven because there will be animals in heaven, but what about our pets? And then this woman wasn't even a believer, and she goes to your website. I mean, she could have gone there anyway, but— she ended up going there because you were one of the only, possibly the only um, website or resource or person that replied to her email. So there's another lesson for all of us. Take the time to respond to the questions you might not think are really even gospel-focused because that inevitably is where it often leads, right, Shay, to the presentation of the gospel. Absolutely. And if you um, visit gotquestions.org, we have approaching 7,000 frequently asked questions on the website now, but <laughs> on every single page, there is at least two links to articles that present the gospel. Uh, but we make that front and center, because we view it as it doesn't matter how many of the side issues or even important issues that we answer for someone, if they leave our site without hearing the gospel, ultimately, in a sense, we failed. Um, so we point everything to the gospel. Um, Again, that's the. Um, if, even if we convince someone that um, God exists and the Bible's true, et cetera, et cetera, but they come away without a personal relationship with Christ, we feel like we haven't done our job. And not mm -hmm. that it's up to us, but if nothing else, we want to be one of the people planting the seed or yes. watering the seed. Amen. Um, we're going to get to the top 20 questions asked, and uh, just 
I have that um, page on your website. Are those in order, or is that just the top 20 that uh, are the most frequent questions asked at Got Questions? There are two lists, and one is the top 20 questions that have actually been submitted to us. Those are people who visit our Ask a Question page and submit a question. So that's the one top 20, and the other one is the top 20 most frequently visited articles on the website. So um, and those that one is updated monthly, just but we're the top 20 articles the previous month. And there's usually some overlap between the two lists, but okay. there's also some, some differences. Yeah, questions asked and then articles uh, visited. I would think that even after they get a response to their question, they would probably want to follow up and get a little bit more information, so they'll put a, type in something else in the search at gotquestions.org. Uh, Shay, how many people do you have working with you? Uh, we have um, 10 employees now. Um, most of them writers or editors or someone um, managing one of the other sites we run in addition to gotquestions.org. Um, we have around 250 volunteer writers who help us answer all the questions that are submitted to us. Um, several contractors who are doing videos or translation or programming work for us and various other people involved in various ways. So yeah, it's the first time we were ready to hire an employee was again, a kind of a mind blowing thing to me because like I said, I never even thought <laughs> um, I would be an employee. So I think that um, God is now providing enough money for us to employ other people. That's it's amazing. So you are a nonprofit, correct? Correct. We are a 501c3, a nonprofit organization. Yes. Yeah, so um, there's, I'm sure, a place on your website where actually up at the top right where it says donate. So if you're interested in supporting Shay's uh, ministry, wow, 10 people working there, 250 writers, a lot of people uh, making this thing work. Who helps you? I, mean, I, I can't imagine one person overseeing all this. Um, does your wife help you? Do you have someone else helping you oversee and kind of manage or delegate? Of course, um, as the ministry's grown, um, fairly typical, the administrative burden has increased as well. So um, some of our other employees assist me in that. Um, my wife is an employee of the ministry. She primarily runs um, our gqkids.org site, the site we have for, for kids targeted to approximately the third grade range, but um, can go a little above and below that. And um, she also does a lot of writing and editing and essentially tries to keep me from going crazy sometimes. So is there a separate website for GQ Kids? Got Question Kids? Yes, Got Questions Kids. So GQKids.org is okay. our site design for kids. And probably one of the most interesting parts of that site is we find um, it's visited more often by adults. So parents or um like Sunday school teachers who get asked a question by a kid and don't know how to explain it to a kid. So we do our best at getting um, the answers there, one, so that a kid can understand, but also to help adults. Like, how do you explain the Trinity to a kid? How do you explain the deity of Christ to a, a child? And help us to know how to more effectively present the gospel and the essential truths of God's Word to children. Wow, an amazing ministry, and if you scroll down to the bottom of the page at gotquestions.org, you'll see the links for GQ Kids, 412 Teens, Seek and Find, the blog, uh, Bible references. Of course, you have an app, correct? Correct. Um, we have an app for both um, iPhone and Android. Okay, so they can download the app. I've got one on my phone. I'm on the page right now, Shay, questions about salvation, and I— I, I'm scrolling down, and I keep scrolling. There's got to be like 100 questions, maybe not quite that many, but that's a lot of questions just on that one topic. So I would imagine, I mean, you've been around for 18 years at gotquestions.org. I, I can imagine the work and the amount of man hours that goes into putting this kind of resource together. How often do you find yourself maybe going back on occasion on an article or information or a blog that you have, and maybe rewording something or editing it, shorting, shortening it. Do you ever do that? Um, very often. It's a, it's a constant process. This, um, we do our, before an article is published to the site, it goes through a pretty extensive editing process. But we have found articles that have been online for 
five years or more that are missing like the word not, <laughs> which like completely changes the meaning yes. of a sentence. And, like, <laughs> how in the world did we miss that? But so, yeah, we're um, constantly editing. Um, we receive a lot of people who um, will contact us, send us an email, say, hey, you've got the wrong scripture reference here, or the sentence is kind of confusing. You should reword it. And um, Praise God. add those to a list and have our editors go through it and which um, comments are right, which ones are wrong, and such. So, yeah, we're constantly editing, improving, still adding. Um, hope we try to add um, 10 to 15 new articles every week. So that questions about salvation category continues to get longer and yes. longer. Just, <laughs> just new questions or a different slant on a question. You know, I, rather than just adding this to an existing article, I think we actually need a separate article on this. And that helps with the search engine, both um, on got questions so that people can find um, their topics more accurately. And also for if, um, the vast majority of our traffic actually find us on Google. They go to Google, they search for something spiritually related, and we try to design our website and write our articles so that they will do well in the search listings. And um, we've got um, tens of millions of people every month who land on our website from Google. And wow. So it's a power, the search engines are essentially our missions field, and that's a, mm. a powerful thing because if you do a search on Google for how can I know for sure I go to heaven when I die, well, what if every listing on page one of the results is from a site that's not presenting the truth? And thankfully, that's not the case. There are often several really good Christian ministries who are getting good positions in Google, but we strive through Got Questions and our other site to get quality, biblically-based content um, towards the top of the search results, but that's where the vast majority of people click. Amazing, amazing what we can do today with this thing called the Internet. We're speaking with Shay Hoodman of GotQuestions.org. When we come back, the top 20 most frequently asked questions. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Shay Hoodman of GotQuestions.org, an amazing resource, an amazing website. There's so much. Um, just for instance, we were talking about salvation earlier. Just on that page, I mean, what is the way of salvation? How can I be saved? What is the gospel? Can a Christian lose salvation? Is eternal security biblical? Um, how do I receive forgiveness from God? What does it mean today is the day of salvation? And so many more questions all related to that one topic. And so there's all kinds of topics that people are asking about. And if you have a question for Shay right now during this podcast, please text the keyword speak up to 901000. If you have a question for Shay, uh, anytime you can email us, comments at standupforthetruth.com, text speak up to 90100. Okay, Shay, um, top 20 questions asked. Uh, there's several topics speaking in tongues, uh, what does the Bible say about dinosaurs, gambling. But let's start with the, the first one on the page here. It says, what does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage? Because even Christians that have been in the Word and in the church for a while have a little maybe confusion about that. They do, and it's a, obviously a very sensitive issue. I mean, upwards of 50% of people um, in the United States, couples, they, have their marriages and then divorce. So, mm -hmm. so if you don't know someone who's been divorced or not been divorced yourself, I mean, you are an extremely rare bird in that sense. Um, mm. But yes, biblically speaking, um, the Bible teaches that God designed marriage to be a permanent, um, that till death do us part, um, until one spouse um, goes to be with the Lord or passes into eternity. Um, God's intention is that marriage would last forever, but Sadly, because of sin, because of rebellion, because of people's hearts being hard, so many marriages fail. Um, mm. Some fail just from what you call irreconcilable differences. Others failed from adultery, um, other sorts of abuse. Um, so a lot of Christians wonder, like, um, when, can I get a divorce? My um, 
spouse has done this and this and this and this. And um, others wonder, how do I minister to my friend who's going through a really um, rough spot in her marriage? How do I counsel my friend who uh, has cheated on his wife and is trying to decide if he wants to save his marriage? So we receive a lot of questions related to divorce. Mm. And then, of course, remarriage. Does yes. Most people who get a divorce then plan on eventually remarrying, and they want to know, what does the Bible say about under what circumstances can I remarry after a divorce? The next one on here, I would like a little refresher on, uh, Shay, because uh, we think about Easter time and Jesus was crucified, uh, died, was buried, and then before his resurrection, there are different scriptures indicating that he went down into the heart of the earth or... Um, is it what? What's the word they use there? It's it's. Is it Hades? Um, where was Jesus between his death and resurrection? Oh, again, this is um, a big one this time of year. The closer you get to um, Easter, mm-hmm. um, lots of people are thinking about what's Easter all about. Thankfully, most people still know that Easter is not about a bunny and eggs. It's actually about Jesus' resurrection. So, if people are going to go to church once a year, typically it'll be on Easter. So our Easter time, Good Friday and Easter Sunday are usually our two biggest days of the year. So this question, it's it's a really interesting one. It's one the Bible doesn't explicitly say. There's a um, the Apostles' Creed, one of the very early creeds of the faith, that says that Jesus descended into hell. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like, well, why would Jesus need to descend into hell? So if you look in First um, Peter um, chapter 3, I believe, it talks about... Um, a little bit about Jesus went um, into the grave, preached to the spirits in prison. So there's a whole bunch of interesting things. But essentially, the question is, where was Jesus' soul for the three days in between his death and resurrection? And um, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, um, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So there's no solid reason to believe that Jesus' soul uh, went to hell. I mean, his death perfectly atoned for sin. So there's no reason for him to have actually gone to the hell in the sense of the place of um, eternal suffering. So um, and I'm probably kind of rambling a little bit, but it's it's a difficult and complicated issue. Um, Jesus' soul was you know, in heaven with God for the majority of that time. Um, at some point, he did um, descend into the place where the, the dead are held, and most Bible scholars will say um, he then took all the righteous dead with him, into heaven and preached a message of um, victory over uh, either the fallen angels and or um, the, the wicked dead, the saying, I've triumphed over you through my death. And um, so, yeah, it's it's a fascinating topic to st- study, but all the passages that talk about it are controversial, to say the least, because the way they're worded, I don't know that God thinks we need to know exactly everything that took place in those three days. But the, the key point is um, Jesus didn't stay in the grave. But um, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and um, through his resurrection, we know that we can also be resurrected after death, that um, faith in Christ not only saves us from the eternal consequences of sin, but also will result in us being um, resurrected after we die. Amen. Read 1 Corinthians 15, friends, a powerful chapter on the gospel, on the resurrection bodies, and the victory we have in Christ. There might be some confusion to Shay about that concept of what happened in those three days when Jesus was in the tomb, when his physical body was in the tomb, uh, because on the cross he said to the, to the other thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Can you explain that and how um, we know that because some people say, okay, you don't have to do any works at all to be saved, particularly because of the thief on the cross. Look, he didn't do any good deeds. Um, I would just love to get your take on that. The thief on the cross is a powerful example that, yes, um, a minimal amount of faith, just believing that you need Jesus to save you and that placing your faith in him as your savior. That's all it takes. But to then take that further and use that as a illustration for everyone, 
for example, there's people who say, well, the thief on the cross never had a chance to do any good works, therefore I don't either. And while that's true, in a sense, you're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. But if the thief on the cross had not died, um, he would have progressively um, become more like Christ. He would have eventually produced good works. That mm-hmm. is what, uh, in Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, um, it was in Christ as a new creation. Old things have gone, new have come. So, yes, thief on the cross was saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Without, not by works, but in our Christian life, when we accept Christ as Savior by grace through faith alone, um, that is a transforming event in our lives. We will inevitably, I think is probably the best term, um, start to live a transformed, changed life of good works, of increasing obedience to God, of increased love for God and for His people. And so, yes, um, the thief on the cross is a powerful illustration of. Salvation truly is by faith alone. But to take that and then apply it to, well, the thief on the cross didn't produce any good works, therefore um, I can expect to live a life free of good works as well. That's not what the passage is talking about. Exactly. And James talks about the fact that faith without works is dead. And works are, and it really is our reaction to an authentic conversion and being saved because that process of sanctification is we are we don't work to earn salvation, but we work through uh, many different aspects in our lives of, of just doing good deeds. And it has nothing to do with salvation, but it is just something we love to do because we want to obey God. Absolutely. Um, we are not saved by good works. Um, I've heard it taught many times that we are saved unto good works. Some mm-hmm. Yes. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which talks about um, you're saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. And the very next verse says, for we are God's workmanship um, created to do good works. So Amen. the result of our salvation is a transformed life identified by um, good works. We're speaking with Shay Hoodman of GotQuestions.org, and we've got the top 20 most frequently asked questions in front of us. Let's scroll down on this list, Shay, and one that uh, we need to address in light of recent denominations and, and uh, Christian uh, churches and ministries. Can women serve as pastors? Now, to clarify, we're not asking if, if women can disciple, if women can share the gospel, if women can mentor, can they be pastors, meaning have authority or be have this headship over men? Well, what's the short answer to that one? Uh, I don't know that there is a short answer, but um, <laughs> this is one that um, has been probably our most frequently asked question since the very beginning. And wow. Something that a lot of people wonder about, and um Sadly, there's been a lot of very poor teaching. Um, a lot of churches take it to the extreme, and since they don't allow women hardly any opportunities to serve in the church instead of other than you know, cleaning or cooking or et cetera, and that's absolutely not what the Bible teaches. But, um, based on First uh, Timothy chapter 2, 11 to 15, um, Paul says, I do not permit women to teach or exercise authority over men pretty clear. If you look in the context, Paul is clearly referring to the church. Paul is clearly teaching about the shepherding role. The two primary roles of a pastor shepherd is to teach the flock and to, um, in a sense, oversee, have authority over the flock. So our understanding of this passage is that the, um, women are not to serve in pastoral roles that involve um, teaching or having authority over men. Um, so yeah, that's um, a controversial stance, but it's been, um, it's pretty clear um, that that's what that verse means. Uh, we've heard any and every possible alternate explanation of try to explain that away, but yes. um, it's a pretty clear passage. But again, um, instead of looking at as this as, well, God devalues women or women aren't as intelligent, or some people say women are more easily deceived than men, and the, this passage does not teach any of that. Um um, there's other passages that talk about women have amazing opportunities to minister to other women, to um, minister um, to children. Um, if you look at um, 
Aquila and Priscilla um, discipled um, Apollos in their home, and Apollos became a powerful minister of the gospel, and it seems like Priscilla was the primary discipler. So there's absolutely nothing wrong, as you said, women um, sharing the gospel with men, women um, even taking part in discipling men and training men and um, encouraging, even rebuking. But the pastoral role itself, the Bible, restricts um, to men. Uh, can I just clarify, Shay? Um, what about in the church service on a Sunday morning or whenever that might be, from the pulpit, uh, a woman teaching? that th- she's, If she's not in a role of pastor— because I know uh, there are a couple pastors um, that that I know of personally that would say they should not even be teaching from the pulpit. What what is your response to that? I don't know that. I mean, in in most Protestant churches, um, behind the pulpit is what we view as is the primary um, teaching role, and obviously on Sunday mornings that's where it is. But I think it goes beyond that. I, um, some churches would be very legalistic about it, and a woman is never allowed behind the pulpit at all. It's like, well, I don't. Um, women doing announcements behind the pulpit, even um, women leading in worship, that seems to be. Um, I personally do not um, have a problem with women serving in um, leadership roles of worship, as they are they teaching or are they exercising authority? I don't think so. Um, but a woman. Um, it's interesting, kind of a little rabbit trail, but I attended a pastor's conference where um, it was in various topics, but one of the topics was about um, how pastors need to be um, more careful and being above the board and um, being accountable, being um, not, not doing things that would easily allow them to be accused. And yet the entire session was led by a woman who was standing behind the pulpit uh, teaching an entire audience of almost entirely men. But in that sense, um, is she serving as a pastor or is she just educating men in a topic that they need to know about? So uh, there's um, some gray areas in here. Um, Mm -hmm. The primary teaching role um, in the church of men, I believe, also needs to be women, to be men. I don't think women should... I'm serving that um, example. There's um, other theories. There's the like umbrella theory. If a woman is under the authority of the other pastor, can she do it? Well, okay, well, then maybe she's not exercising authority, but she's still teaching. Um, can there be teen teaching? And I've seen that done really well and in ways that I don't think violates Scripture, but I just think we need to be careful that mm-hmm. there's a reason why um, God's Word says that um, men should be the teacher's of, of other men. Yeah, and First Timothy would be a great book to uh, study uh, on this topic. Uh, we're speaking with Shay Hoodman of GotQuestions.org. We've got to take another break. But when we come back, we're going to ask another of these top 20 most frequently asked questions on their ministry website, GotQuestions.org. And in light of the fact that we've got one of the top Democrat presidential Uh, candidates running to be president of the United States who says he is a gay Christian. And we are going to talk about that. Is homosexuality a sin? When we come back, also, we're going to jump over to uh, talk about the coronavirus. What does the Bible say about pandemic or uh, diseases, uh, sicknesses? When we come back with Shea Hoodman on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're speaking with Shay Hoodman of GotQuestions.org. If you have a question, that is the place to go, one of the top resources where you can get an answer on almost anything. Um, let's see here. We were going to talk about a very important um, issue, and that is the fact that a lot of Christians today are being duped it, it, with the lie that you can be a sinner and be a Christian. Can you be a thief? Can you call yourself, I am a thieving Christian? The answer would be no. Can I say, I am an adulterer and a Christian? The answer would be no. Um, and, uh, could, and you go on down the list of the Ten Commandments for one, 
But we've got people believing that you can be a homosexual, a practicing homosexual, and be a Christian, and even have leadership positions in some denominations and churches, which they are ordaining gay bishops and gay ministers and reverends and all this. It is going just evil is being called good. And so we're going to Shay at gotquestions.org. Uh, the topic beca- is popular, more popular now, the question, I should say, because of Pete Buttigieg. Uh, as you know, he's in a same-sex relationship, um, called they call it a marriage. He's married to a man, and he's governor of, of a small town in Indiana, running for president. And people are saying, oh, that's cool that you can be gay and be a Christian. And they have no idea what the Bible teaches. So, Shay, please help us out here with the issue of homosexuality. So whenever this question is brought up, and as you said, it's always been one of our most frequently asked questions, and it's um, becoming more and more often. We want to begin by saying that the Bible clearly teaches that homosexuality is a immoral and unnatural sin. But with that said, it is no, quote-unquote, worse a sin than any other sin. It is just as forgivable as mm-hmm. any other sin. It is not something that... Um, prevents God from being able to save you. But with that said, um, the Bible is very clear. Um, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I believe it's verses 8 and 9, Paul goes through a list of sins, and one of those is homosexuality. And at the end he says, and that is what some of you were. Um, not what some of you are, but some of you were. Mm-hmm. So Paul here is clearly saying um, God can save you yes. out of homosexuality. God will forgive it. And when he's forgiven it, he will give you victory over it. I'm not saying the victory will be instantaneous or there couldn't ever be failure or temptation, but to live a lifestyle dedicated to something that God's Word says is an immoral and unnatural sin, I don't see any way how someone who's continually living that lifestyle could claim to be a Christian because your lifestyle is saying the exact opposite. And exactly. As I said, God's Word said, says that homosexuality is something that we, can, we are saved from, not something we continue in um, once we believe. If you go to um, 1 John, there's several verses in 1 John that talk about um, those who continue in sin um, do not know the Lord. Hmm. Um, it's, it's not, and we all continue to sin. No one is perfect, sinless, Perfection cannot be achieved in this life. We will not experience that until we are sanctified in the Lord's presence. So we all struggle in sin. But what it's talking about is Christians do not sin continually. Christians do not give themselves over to sin. Christians do not live a lifestyle that is identified by sin. And that's the difference that Christ makes in our lives. He takes us from the kingdom of darkness, transforms us into the kingdom of light. He takes us... Um, we're dead in our trespasses and sin takes us to being alive in Christ. And to say that we can be saved and have that not result in a change in our life, that is antithetical to what the Bible teaches. Yes. And we want to clarify here, First John um, 3, verse 4 says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. So there's a clarification when it comes to adultery or homosexuality when someone is a practicing sinner in those respects. That means they are not repentant. They are not forgiven because they either are justifying it, saying it's not a sin, they haven't asked for forgiveness. There's a difference between that and someone who has struggled in a particular lifestyle or sin for years, came to God, came back to the church, and has been forgiven as repenting. But that doesn't mean the temptation goes away as far as a homosexual or, or an adulterer. It means that you are forgiven, and now you've just got to you know, be on your guard more in spiritual disciplines. Can you help us uh, clarify that a little bit more, Shay? I, I think you said it very well. Um, the difference between um, living in sin and striving against sin. Um, before we come to Christ, um, we are, uh, we're dead in our trespass and sin. We do not have anything in us to help us to overcome sin. I mean, certain sins can be temporarily um, beaten just by through the flesh, through willpower, but in terms of actually achieving lasting victory over sin, it's not possible without um, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the um, new creation, the new nature we receive when we accept Christ as Savior. So the Christian life is a 
spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a good way of explaining the difference from before um, Christ, all the decisions we're making, everything we do is in a sense tainted by sin. When we become Christians, we are now in a war against sin. And do we sometimes lose battles? Absolutely we do. But it's a battle. We're not giving ourselves over to sin. We're not living a continually sinful lifestyle anymore. We are rather seeking to live for Christ. And yes, we fail. Yes, we still sin. First to admit that I'm not perfect and still struggle with things, but it's a struggle. And that's the difference. We're actually struggling against sin instead of embracing it. We're speaking with Shay Hoodman of GotQuestions.org. Great resource. I've got the app on my phone. You can download it as well by going to GotQuestions. And one more, as far as during this interview and podcast for Shay, um, you, we're jumping over now to the 20 top 20 most visited articles on GotQuestions.org. Uh, one of them is, what's the meaning and purpose behind the 10 plagues of Egypt? But the third one is, what does the Bible say about pandemic diseases and sicknesses? And we are thinking about that uh, today because of the spread of the coronavirus. What uh, can you tell us about that, Shay? It's interesting. Um, probably the most frequent slant we're receiving lately about this is the coronavirus, a sign of the end times. Mm-hmm. And if you read the book of Revelation, it does describe some some plagues. Um, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, for example, is seems to be about plagues. So, yes, there is a sense where pandemic diseases will be a part of the end times. Is the coronavirus um, precursor to that? Is it part of it? Time will tell. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, um, just like any other sickness, is that God allows things like the coronavirus for a purpose. Um, I think he's using it to wake some people up to their yes. own mortality, um, in a sense to put the fear of God in. He's also using it as a reminder of how much sin is um, impacted, devastated even, how the world works. Um, people who are um, infected with it, I mean, the mortality rate is um, scary how how high it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's To me, it's, it's, it's a warning. It's a warning that... Um, yes. You need. We all need to get right with God, because it's going to get um, even worse. And hopefully, this is a wake-up call for a lot of people. Um, yeah, and travel restrictions. Um, I really, my heart goes out to the people in China who are um, mm. being um, quarantined in, in their homes, and um, it's a pretty miserable experience with how um, trying to contain it. So yeah, it's a, it's a scary thing, but um, time will tell whether this is a true sign of the end times or just yet another um, like birth pains as Jesus described in Matthew 24 not necessarily meaning the end times are right on the doorstep but um, just a, like I said earlier a warning that um, we need to get right with God because things are going to get even worse. Amen. Uh, Shay, 10 out of 10 people die so Lord teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom and as you said uh, this could be another wake up call uh, and the church even needs it. Uh, particularly the church in America. We take so much for granted. But uh, final minute and a half with you, Shay. Um, I know whenever you have a ministry, there are spiritual battles. There's a lot of warfare. Um, how can we pray for you? And also, we know that you are listener-supported just like we are. So could you share um, how can we pray for you and what maybe is one of your other uh, great needs at gotquestions.org? Uh, well, thank you. Um, the Internet um, is a spiritual battlefield. Um, mm. <laughs> there's sadly far more garbage on the internet than there is truth. So um, prayer requests would be for protection for um, the God Question staff and volunteers. So we all experience spiritual attack just like other believers do. It can get it can get bad and discouraging sometimes. So I pray that we would um, not lose heart, that we would continue to strive to serve the Lord as best as we can with the Spirit's enablement. Um, pray that we would have wisdom and discernment and both answering the questions and knowing how to best um, reach a culture that is increasingly non-Christian and in some senses anti-Christian. Um, pray that we'd have discernment in what's next, what what's the next thing that God Questions needs to do in addition to what we're already doing. What's another way that we can use um, the power of the internet to reach people for Christ and financial provision. I mean, we, um, we are supported entirely through donations. We do not charge anything. And um, in our 
18 years of history, and we've never had trouble paying our bills. God has been praise God amazingly, miraculously faithful in meeting our needs. So pray that that would continue, and just pray that we would be good stewards, that we would know that when God provides a surplus, what is he providing for us? Mm. What does he want to spend this money on? How can we best invest what he has provided for an eternal impact? Uh, we can relate to that one, Shay. Thank you so much. Uh, and of course, Got Questions is on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, and you can download the free app. Um, and uh, we will definitely be praying for you. We'll get you on. Hopefully, we'll catch up with you again. There's so much more to talk with you about. But Shay Hoodman, GotQuestions.org, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. God bless your ministry, brother. Again, thank you. It was my privilege to be on the show today. Great. We've got tomorrow another first-time guest, and then we'll tell you who else is coming on with us the rest of this week when we come back. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Oh, what a blessing. So much to talk about. So many issues, so many questions, so little time. We will uh, schedule Shay Hoodman of Got Questions again um, as soon as we can get him back on. Hopefully uh, by April. We'll see. I mean, our March schedule is actually filling up um, already. It's been great. It's been great. We've got uh, at least it seems like two uh, new guests a week, and then we have some repeat guests that haven't been on in six months or uh, in some cases a year or more. It's been a blessing. T- uh, let's see, tomorrow, um, Heidi St. John tomorrow. She's uh, just an, got an amazing ministry, um, author and, and writer, and we're just blessed to have Heidi St. John with us tomorrow. We'll talk about her ministry and women's uh, issues, women's ministry and different things and what she writes about. And she's got a new book out. We'll talk about that. Um, Wednesday, Dr. Andy Woods. I believe we are going to be talking about the coming kingdom, the kingdom of God. Um, Thursday, we were finally able to get Carl Gallup's back on. He's so busy. And so we'll catch up with Pastor Carl Gallup's and get his take on what's happening in Washington, D.C., as well as prophetically. He likes to talk about Bible prophecy, so we're going there for sure on Thursday. And Jay Seeger, Friday, Starting Point Project. So a full week and then uh, two first-time guests next week. We'll tell you about those a little at the end of this week. Well, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you tomorrow. God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.